Good morning, family. Fernando, alcoholic. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I'm visiting groups and friends over here in Sacramento area. Yesterday, I visited three groups. One of them was called the Straight Men's at 6.30 in the morning with Zoom participation. Uh, pretty good. Bunch of businessmen and men of well uh, wisdom are able to, to talk to us. Example, we did step three yesterday. We said we because they called on me to share. And that was pretty humbling with so many people there. Um and then also I went to a, a a park meeting over here with all the wind and the cold, and there was about 24 of us in Parkus enjoying a speaker, and the topic was the family afterwards. And then I called an old sponsor of mine, David S., which I have his, his uh, meeting recorded here. It's an all addictions meeting, not an alcoholic anonymous meeting, even though we use literature from AA, which is abundantly given to us by the AA people, the organization, to use freely to help people in recovery, in all types of recovery. And that's what it was. So, again, <clears throat> I hung around with uh, old friends. Uh, David was my original sponsor back in 2003 and four, and he uh, had me do a gratitude list of writing down 15 items a day and calling them in at 8.30 in the morning. That was my slot. As a retired individual, he would have different people come in, you know, all morning long and call in for a half hour, and we would chat with him. It was one of the best highlights of my life. We did that for about two, three months, and it was enough to get the motor started, to start walking on air. Because when you were in service, when you were in grateful and gratitude, I, I lived in a different world. So to this man, uh, I owe him gratitude. And one more thing, when I would call him, uh, say, for instance, for something, for a meeting or something else that was happening, and he wouldn't call me back in two days, I would be berserk. I don't know one reason. His respect meant a lot to me because I never had given my trust to another person. And uh, it proved true. You can't put your, your trust in people in here. You know, one way to pick a sponsor is wait till they offend you. Yep. You try to be cute in a meeting. And then they'll turn around and use your joke to offend you. And that's the best time to get yourself a sponsor. Because they, they have the guts to tell you the truth and get on your face where you're wrong and where you, where you can be molded. We all need instructors, people that have gone before us with common sense. You know, it's not too far-fetched, you know, that the problems are the same all the way around. Is that we don't listen to the instructions. We want to do it our way, and then we get hurt. Amen. So there you go. Uh, 
David's talks are listed here. I had the opportunity to sit right by him while he did a class in like a halfway home. Different types of people from all walks of life with different addictions. And that's recorded here. Um, so enjoy it. And now, March 2nd, a thought for the day. Over a period of drinking... Years we prove to ourselves and to everybody else that we can't stop drinking by our own willpower. We have been proved helpless before. We have been proved helpless before the power of alcohol. So the only way we could stop drinking was by, by turning to a power greater than ourselves. We call that power God. The time that you really get this program is when you get down on your knees and surrender yourself to God as you understand Him. Surrender means putting your life into God's hands. Have I made a promise to God that I would try to live the way He wants me to live? Meditation for today. Spirit power comes from communication with God in prayer and times of quiet meditation. I must constantly seek spiritual communication with God. This is a matter directly between me and God. Those who seek it through the medium of the church do not always get the joy and the wonder of spirit communication with God. From this communication comes life, joy, peace, and healing. Many people do not realize the power that can come to them from direct spirit communication. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may feel that God's power is mine. I pray that I may be able to face anything through that power. Amen. And now, you know, I have an article here on that I just posted called How to Pray by Norman Vincent Peale. I read the guy's book. He published the book in 1952, The Power of Positive Thinking, very popular book by Norman Vincent Peale. Man, he was a cool cat, hard-hitting, what I call, you know, uh, uh, a general in God's army. So you can hear his voice. I have it in cassettes. I have his book. I went to look for him in seminars, and then he passed away at 96. God always gives his generals a long life, you know, of satisfaction and joy. All right, daily reflections. Hope for today. It says, do not be discouraged. Alcoholics, page 60. Discourage. Do not be be properly rage in the proper thing. That's what discourage means to me. It's got the word rage in it. You know, it's, it's, in other words, uh, stay focused on your rage to get things done. <laughs> Far-fetched, huh? All right. Few experiences are less valuable to me than fast sobriety. Too many times discouragement has been the bonus for unrealistic expectations not to mention self-pity or fatigue from my wanting to change the world by the weekend. Discouragement is a warning signal that I may have wandered across the God line. The secret of fulfilling my potential is in acknowledging my limitations and believing that time is a gift, not a threat. Hope is the key that unlocks the door of discouragement. The program promises me that if I do not pick up the first drink today, I would always have hope, having come to believe that I keep that, what I share. Every time I encourage, I receive courage. It is with others that, with the grace of God and the fellowship of AA, I trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May I always remember that the power within me is far greater than any fear before me. May I always have patience, for I am on the right road. Amen. Fernando Alcoholic, one of the ways, too, is to throw humor at the problem before it gets to discouragement. Keep That's one of the reasons you want to keep thanking God for everything the life throws your way. And life is going to throw a lot of things. Your, your good lady is going to go out on you, going to take all your money, kick you in the head, and uh, say all kinds of manner of evil about you. Just thank God and speak good of the other person and hang in there and continue to say, thank God, thank God. He's got a master plan, whatever that is. I think whatever I'm going through, it's worth it. Whatever problem you're going through, it's worth it. Just give thanks and respect and treat others with gloves of gold, like they're gold, and, and give them the respect. And you know what? It will come back to you a thousandfold. You're only treating yourself if that way if you were off the, the kilter, off the scale, you know. And it's been proven as you do, do unto others, you're doing it to yourself. So let's be a little wise these are the instructions from heaven, from the big, big book, and and gives us new light. Amen. Anyway, God bless you. Give them heaven. Don't drink. Stay strong. No big deals. This too shall pass. More will be revealed. Easy does it. Live and let live. First things first, but for the grace of God. Thank you. Reading from the Grapevine, July 2001, A Twig in the Yard. Bill M. sent us the following note along with a letter from his son who is serving time in Kernsville, North Carolina. This is a story about gratitude. Gratitude is an unlikely setting. My son is halfway through a long prison sentence the beginning of which marked a deep bottom in his life and the beginning of his recovery from alcoholism. He now serves as a peer counselor in a state-run program that struggles to make sobriety available in the prison environment. His growth in his 12-step work constantly amazes me. A recent letter was so striking that I asked his permission to share it with you and your readers. It began with the news that he had finally been able to see a dentist. No small feat when it requires that he be transported a hundred miles to a prison facility that had such resources. Dear Dad, Yesterday at 4 a.m. I was awakened in order to be taken to the dentist. It was the first time in a year that I'd been outside for a ride, so I was really excited. Of course, I had to be handcuffed to a waist chain, then shackle before I could get in the van. The van was brand new. The smell was delicious, and the seats were so comfortable. I must have looked like a dog out for a drive, staring eagerly from side to side. It was amazing to be moving and in such comfort. When we got to the facility, they took off my chains and let me walk around the prison yard. I got to touch a tree for the first time in over three years. It was an oak tree, and the bark felt so good beneath my hand. 
I looked up through the branches and leaves to the sun shining through. The ground was littered with small twigs and real acorns that crunched beneath my feet. The trunk, which must have been seven or eight feet around, was covered with moss and liches. I have never seen a more beautiful sight. As if that were not enough, a calico cat suddenly rubbed up against my leg and gave me permission to pet him while he drank from a water dish. I was dumbstruck with all the sensation. The feel of bark and cat fur, the sight of open space and green leaves, all this for a man who had none of them for years. Where for me, what climbing Mount Everest must have be to a free man. Then it ended. We left after my visit to the dentist, yet I will always carry that day with me as a symbol of God's grace and as a reminder to have gratitude for the small, mundane things of everyday life. A twig in the yard? What joy! I'm so glad to have you to share it with. I don't think anyone else would understand your son. Fernando, alcoholic, is beautiful, beautiful. I think about my son right now. He's at my house down in Los Angeles. I'm in Sacramento doing 12-step work. He wanted me to be there that weekend, and I ended up up here because the weather kept me here, and so I decided to start going to more meetings. I wanted to be there today in Los Angeles where my son, we were supposed to go to the movies. But I thank God that he's free. He went by himself. He told me it was an amazing movie, Dad. Me and my wife were supposed to be down there. So it's kind of bothering me a little bit that I didn't, I didn't take the time to put him first, that he was coming, that I took a chance of being of service to others. And the weather played a big role. And the wife is sick, and she's really not ready to leave her parents, visiting her parents. So all this constituted to, to too much expectancies. It would have been better for me to have stayed home and not tried to attempt to accomplish so much with so little time. But all is well. My son is, is free, and he's enjoying himself, and he's a good son. And my prayers are with him, and your sons, and your daughters, and my prayers are with them. Our next study is, our reading is from the October 1990 Grapevine issue. It's called, The Man I Always Wanted to Be. In November 1977, during one of my many stays around the program, an Elna member asked me why I wouldn't work AA's 12 steps. In all sincerity, I told him, I don't need the step to stay sober. The fellowship of AA is enough to keep me sober. I kept slipping and sliding around the meetings, convinced I had this AA business all figured out. Two months later, I took what turned out to be my last drink, although I didn't know that at the time. Shortly after, I was in a beginner's meeting for people with less than a year of sobriety where the topic was AA 12 Steps. The chairperson called on the man seated next to me, and what he said helped change my life. This fellow was a loudmouth 
obnoxious self-promoter who invariably took up meeting time to talk about cars, business, and anything except sobriety. He had been around the program for 19 years. I despise him heartily. Imagine my surprise then when he puffed out his chest, folding his arms across a flabby gut and said, I don't need the steps to stay sober. The fellowship of AA is enough to keep me sober. You might say it was a sobering experience to hear my words coming from that mouth. I looked at him and said to myself, I don't want to be like you. Here was a guy who's been around for 19 years saying the same thing I said just two months earlier. I really did not want to be like him. Fortunately, I had an, an option. A group in our town was known as a very step-oriented, hardcore bunch with a lot of strong old-time sobriety, and that's where I went. I don't believe it was a conscious decision, but I knew those folks were different from some AA people I met, and I wanted to become a different from the loud mouth fella uh, as was humanly possible. I attended the meetings for a while and finally found a man I wanted as my sponsor. He seemed the opposite of the loudmouth, with a quiet grace and gentle manner that appealed to me. What really hooked me, though, were his frequent reference to caring for a nephew who recently lost his mother in a car wreck. That touched me, so I worked up the nerve and asked him to sponsor me. Never let anyone tell you that God doesn't have a sense of humor. The man I selected a sponsor was a short, wrote town businessman who drove a huge Lincoln and for some reason hated bikers. <laughs> I'm a long-time Harley fanatic who for some reason hated short, fat, rich cats and fancy cars. Hence, we were perfect for each other. The first thing my sponsor told me was, I don't have time to help you stay sick. I'm much too busy for that, but if you want to get better, I'd be glad to help you. He definitely meant what he said, but my sponsor was one of those head-cracking types that order their pigeons about. This was just as well because I was extremely rebellious when I sobered up and could have seized on a, a domineering sponsor as an excuse to chuck it all and return to drinking. Instead, my sponsor laid out a set of tools, the 12 steps, and told me how he used them in his life. There were no demands made of me. He simply said, if you want what we have, come and get it. And that's what I needed to hear. Through my sponsor and other members, I learned that this program offers much more than simple dry time. They not only told me about, but ex actually live what I know now as a promise. They explained that the promises were at the and an end result of working the steps to the best of my ability, and that life in AA took on a whole new definition when compared with the miserable existence I'd known out on the streets. My friends did not lie. I have done more, accomplished more, learned more, and gone further in the past 13 years than all of the other years of my life put together. One of my favorite works words when I came to AA was freedom, but my concept concept of freedom was limited. I thought it meant doing what I please, when I please, without regard for consequences. 
Now I am truly free to walk through any given day or situation without cringing in fear, exploding in rage, getting loaded, or self-destructing. To love, laugh, and know and appreciate the simple joys that come with being alive. To be part of instead of apart from. A society where I can serve an invaluable purpose. To recognize and utilize my own talents and abilities as a writer, a worker, husband, stepfather, and participant member, participating member of the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm free to be the man I always wanted to be, but never before had the courage to become. And what I see as a prime representation of AA's magic, I was offered two examples situated as opposite ends of sobriety spectrum. Adrift between the two poles, I was blessed with a clear-cut choice, and for that I am very grateful. I needed something just that black and white to penetrate the stone wall of excuses I built around myself. I know now, and my life in sobriety has proven to me that I made the right choices. I'm also pleased to report that my sponsor has gotten over his hatred for motorcyclists. While I mellow somewhat in my distaste for short, fat, rich folks, as for the loudmouth, maybe he found his own examples because at last count, he has several years of continued sobriety and was still going strong. WMJ from Temple, Texas. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. Fernando Alcoholic, I'm in Sacramento. I got a chance to meet my original sponsor from 2002 when I was up in the Sacramento area. I was transferred to this area to work as a manager in a business and help run a, a business that we're going to close. I was a last-ditch effort. We got it running because of the prayers that AA taught me. The AA taught me to have faith and to do the best I can and pray. And, we, and the business flourished. After I left the business, uh, it, it went downhill. And they closed it. But I met, in an AA meeting, I met my sponsor that truly changed my life. He was a short guy, and I tried to say a joke, and it didn't come, too, come out too well. And the, he, being the secretary, used the joke to have everybody laugh at me. And with that, I said, I'm going to ask you to be my sponsor, and I'm going to make your life miserable. Well, I was wrong again. He made my life delightful. He had me do gratitude lists, call them in, and I became so involved in, in calling and talking with him that if he wouldn't call me back in two days, I was beside myself. I had given my trust to an AA member, never had done that before, and it was critical that he approve of me, and he called me back. So he mentioned that today. I've seen him twice in the last 24 hours in meetings, and he, he, he's still running meetings for newcomers. He's the head honcho. He calls the shots. And he said that once you get a person started and the person hooks up to God, 
And then God starts talking to him. And then from there on, they move to help others. And that's exactly what happened to me. I moved and started helping others. And I didn't need my sponsor anymore. Now, as a brother, as a friend. But the trust now is I trust, the I lean on the Father God. Because he does for me what I can do for myself. He hits the home runs and I get to run the bases. Amen. All right, I'm going to read another story. All righty, there's a lot of these stories I have read already here. So, here's one called The Rhythm of Life from October 1998. Great line. In May 1993, I entered the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is sent by Frank C. from Dearborn Heights, Michigan. <clears throat> In May 1993, I entered the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous in the midst of a very painful divorce resulting from years of alcohol abuse on my part. My two children, age two and three at the time, were caught in the middle of this situation. My recovery went well and my relationship with my children continued to improve, but after seven months in AA, I still felt an absence of peace. Although I have been working on my spiritual life, I continue to find it difficult to accept the fact that my family was not coming back together. It wasn't long before I started questioning God as to his unwillingness to answer my prayers. Immediately following my divorce, I was living in a little broken down trailer. I was broke and I resented the fact that I no longer had a house and all the material things that told me I was okay. Even when I was an emotional and spiritual wreck, my meritable things, material things, had always provided a false sense of being okay. Now I had nothing, and my kids were spending their first weekend in my new home. I tucked them into bed and went back into the living room and sat in the dark, just thinking and feeling sorry for myself. It had snowed all that day, and the full moon was reflected on the freshly fallen snow, illuminating the room with its light. When I got up to go to bed, I stopped in the doorway of the kids' room. I stood there just watching them sleep. The moonbeam shining through their window cast a beautiful haze upon the bed where they were light asleep. What I remember most about that night is the rhythm of their breathing. As the girls slept, I recalled the slow, steady, peaceful rhythm that I marveled at the first time I held them. The same slow, steady, peaceful rhythm was there when I rocked them to sleep in the following years. It was this rhythm that had been a constant for me in my relationship with my children. It was this rhythm that told me they were okay and that in turn, my world was okay. It was this rhythm in an old beat-up trailer in a run-down trailer park that told me God was listening and my world was okay. Isn't it interesting the way God whispers to us, but we don't always hear his messages. That's why it is so important for me to work on my relationship with God. 
I believe the divine to be incarnated in all things, but the only way I know to honor my higher power is to talk to him as he were a person. I never ask him for things anymore. I don't believe he is a genie who grants wishes, but I do believe he gives me strength and hope and an appreciation of life and goodness. This concept is of great comfort to me, and I think it's what we try to achieve through the spiritual steps of Alcoholic Anonymous. Amen. Frank K. from Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Again, Frank says, Isn't it interesting the way God whispers to us or talks to us? But we don't always hear his messages. That's why it is so important for me to work on my relationship with God. I believe believe the divine to be incarnated in all things, but the only way to know, I know to honor my higher power is to talk to him as if he were a person. I never ask him for things anymore. I don't believe he is a genie who grants wishes, but I do believe he gives me strength and hope and an appreciation of life and goodness. This concept is of great comfort to me, and I don't think is what we try to achieve through the spiritual steps. Excuse me. This concept is of great comfort to me, and I think it is, it's what we try to achieve, what we do try to achieve in the spiritual steps of alcoholic Namas. Amen. Frank K. from Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Amen. A sense of well-being that God has heard our prayer. It's a choice. It's a choice to accept God's love. Okay, God, I accept your love. I thank you for it. Okay, God, I will be happy. I choose to believe in you and your goodness. Amen. Our next story is from March 1984. Hanging in there together, March 1984. When I came on the program in October 1956, it was a foreign country where there were no groups, no meeting place, no anything much a lady passing through Venezuela on a visit carried the message and captured five pigeons, three men, me, and one other woman. When our traveling lady departed, she left five very dickery new members. The oldest was three months dry. I was last with a few weeks, barely dry between the ears, still confused, and as nutty as a fruitcake. Our only hope was in hanging in there together, writing a lot of silly, incomprehensible questions to the AA General Service Office. We always got answers, of course. We knew nothing of treatment centers or recovery homes. We all imagined this was how AA worked. If we wanted to stay sober, we just had to sweat it out. So we sweated and prayed and hung in there. Amen. I've been drinking for 28 years, though I desperately wanted what had been offered to me. I had a few slips overnight, storms that drove me insane, fearing I had lost this wonderful new life, but I really wanted sobriety with all my heart and soul. 
So God gave me other chances. I finally made it back to England, surrendered, totally found a group, and by the grace of God, had been sober December 28, 1958, Miracles, Miracles. In 1961, when I got to the States and heard about recovery homes and treatment centers, I poo-poo the idea. They'll never make it. You have to do it the hard way. You have to suffer through your own personal crucifixion. Such arrogance. A few years later, I was joyfully, happily a house mother in a home for recovering women alcoholics, 1967 and 69. Some of my girls are still sober, and I'm still their love auntie. You may think I'm still a nutty as a fruitcake, but I'm so happy, so overjoyed, so everything good that I am still on a gorgeous cloud nine. Now, that's really something, isn't it? Here I am, nearly 78, poor as a church mouse, housebound, and partially disabled by a couple of strokes. My floor furnace won't work, neither will my electric fire, and I'm full of the joys of spring, though it looks like snow on the Sandia Mountains. The secret is that I begin my day every day with, Good morning, my God, thank you for a wonderful night's sleep. Thank God for the electric blanket. <laughs> Good morning, my God. Thank you for a wonderful night's sleep. Thank God for the electric blanket. Then I totter out of the kitchen, plug in the coffee, feed all creatures, great and small, five cats, one stray, now belong beloved companions, and two dogs, likewise strays, and devoted companions. While I am doing those chores and the the coffee is perking, I look out the kitchen window again. I could shout my praises of gratitude to God for sparkly blue skies. They are gray now, and it does look like snow. And for a little apricot tree, a thing of great beauty, glowing golden. Oh, thank God, there's a little story of my apricot tree. It's five or six years old, and it sprouted from a pit I spat out as I walked through the garden on the way to hang out washing. When I saw the little seed sitting there beside the path, I thought, well, God bless you. Maybe if I plant you right here, you will grow. So I did, and it did, and now I have all this beauty. I even have quite a crop of apricots this year. I am blessed, too, with endless enthusiasm for the fellowship of AA, with its love and with the joys of being sober and alive. At a meeting, I give my full name, so I am a recovered alcoholic, give my dry date, and tell the people, if I can do it, anyone can do it, but you must practice the principles, follow the steps, get a sponsor, and above all, get active. I am delighted when I walk into my group to hear some of my loved ones say, here's old self will run riot, or may be fondly greeted with, here's old salty old bitch. I love it. They love me, and and all is well. At least it gives me a sure way of practicing my humility. It is very different from being called that crazy drunken bitch, as I was in the old days, isn't it? 
how good it is to be free of arrogance, sarcasm, lying, and cheating, to be totally honest with myself and my fellow man. Another little gimmick that keeps me happy and sober is this. If I am puzzled or anxious about something, I write a little letter to God and tell him all about it. Sometimes I'm asked, aren't you lonely living by yourself? Oh, they can't possibly know the joys of solitude when I can commune with my God as I understand him. Amen. This is from L.P. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Let's see ya.